source for accurate, relevant, and thought-provoking astrological conversations in the podcast nation, the place where stars and minds align. Let's get it, so. Peace, you are now tuned into the Cosmic Convos podcast. I'm your humble host, Harut, and we got my good brother here, Brother Bra. How you doing? Brother. Living and learning, enjoying life. How about yourself? Can't complain. Can't complain, man. Just, you know, getting it in day by day. And, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to get like you, brother. Ra. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> I wish I had it like you, my friend. Got all kind of magic tricks in your goodie bag, brother. <laughs> man, indeed, man, indeed. But, um... You know, before we get too far, I wanted to uh, remind you all that this episode is brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calaprusha Astrology and our good people over on Patreon. And this week, the people on Patreon are able to tune in live for this episode. So I see, you know, I see the the the, the people out there, man. Shout out to the patrons, man. And, um, you know, like I said, you know, we're, we're trialing this out. We're doing something a little different. And, um, you know, go ahead and, you know, type your, your questions in the chat. I could see them. I could see y'all also. You can type a couple questions in and we'll definitely answer your questions. Um, most likely at the end, if you ask something and it's relevant, we'll, we'll tune it in in the show. But, um, you know, we'll definitely get your questions in at the end or whatnot. So, you know, this, this is what this is part of, you know, you go, you, you know, uh, hit us up on Patreon, man. We, you know, you get to try out all the new goodies. <laughs> You know, but it is indeed, indeed, indeed. So, um, you know, you can uh, get with uh, Push It Forward Media Group on Instagram at Push It Forward, that's P U S H I T F W D. Um, and you can find us on the web, same spelled same as the um, Instagram handle. And you can also, when you go to push it forward.com, um, you can navigate the Cosmic Convos podcast. Um, and you can, um, you can listen to the podcast there. And you can um, put in, you know, your order for your Vedic astrology chart package. And we are, you know, we're giving a great deal on that for what you get. You know, a lot of people, you're, you're getting into this stuff and you're seeing all these different charts and stuff like that. Um, you can, you know, uh, hit us up. You can definitely get that information for an excellent price. Um, and on another note, you you know interested in consultations and classes brother Ra, how can the people get a hold of you oh, yeah you can hit me up uh <clears throat> three basic ways call it astrology uh at gmail.com uh that's my main vein then you can hit me up on uh ig or facebook via shechem Ra. so one of those would definitely get at me indeed 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 so yeah, you know, um, you know, we're here at episode 19, season two. You know, we we we're, we're cranking this thing out. 
you know. Um, I got a lot of real good feedback on the last episode. How about yourself? Same here, my friend. Everybody seemed to be quite uh, quite informed by the information we threw at them. So uh, I hope this one uh, goes the same goes the same length goes goes just as hard because we got some good information today too. Yeah, it's, a, it's an important one. You know, it's a, um, especially to just the contemporary kind of um, astrology, um, you know, um, dabblers out there, mm-hmm. you know, um, just how we've been, you know, brought up in the West. We're trained to look at one particular measurement. Um, and, you know, this one kind of gets a bit of a, a interesting, you know, backseat. But um, I'm pretty sure today we're going to um, offer some, um, you know, a, a position on this to, to really show the importance of this particular measurement or whatnot. Um, before we uh, get rolling, though, um, do want to get a couple, you know, uh, pre-Patreon questions. You ready to answer some questions? Okay, let's do it. All right. So we got one. Um Brother wanted to know, um, is it, do we have the information to be able to analyze the age of Aries from the perspective of nakshatras like we did in the Pisces episode? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt that, uh, that's available. I mean, you know, each age, um, is 2,160 years. And so, uh, it's all measurement, right? 30 degrees equals that amount. So we could take uh, a nakshatra, which is 13 degrees, 20 minutes, and break that down according to the time scale between uh, from one uh, aspect to the next. Um, definitely easily doable. But I think the real kind of juxtaposition is kind of understanding um, the Aryan energy in and of itself, you know. Um, That's a documentary. It really is. <laughs> it's I mean, a <laughs> that's a lot of information. I mean, it's yeah. not going to say a lot of information, but, you know, each one of these subjects is arcane and vast. So, you know, for what we compact in this little bit of time, we could spend a whole, we could really make a show out of these things, like literally <laughs> a series, like you were saying, on one thing, right? The age of Aries, you know, and busting up and showing how each particular nakshatra from uh, Kritika, you know, to... Um, to uh, uh, Baharani, to Ashwini, you know, absolutely. And if just as a side note, I mean, if you think about it, Ashwini, right, is between Ashwini and Pisces is a Gandanta, right, zone or a, 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 a basically an area that doesn't bridge. There's no nakshatra that bridges the water signs and the fire signs. So it's considered like a, a drop-off zone, right? Yeah. It's like coming to a cliff and going down into a waterfall and landing into whatever's on the bottom, right? It's the same energy. And so if you just take a quick note of what happened between maybe 100, I don't say 100, but right around the time when uh, the Christian church began to take over, that's when that flux would have switched between uh, the Aryan age, right? And the Piscean age. And so that is easy to see when, uh, and this period would have been during the Christian, um, during the Christian uh, process where uh, the Romans were, I guess, quote unquote, and this is all conjecture because I haven't done too much research on if that's true 
because there's other sides that say that the Christians were doing a lot of the fighting. But nonetheless, at that time, right, the powers that be were in flux. There were there were uh, there were um, their power was leaving. It was waning. Right. So you have the actual uh, Roman Empire, which mm-hmm. is now falling and changing into the Holy Roman Empire. Right. Um, and so, you know, Nero, um, all of those like kind of um, wild, fire-eyed, fiery-eyed um, uh, Caesars at the time, right? Yeah. Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, um, all of this, right? If you look in history, that point in time was a big nexus point, right? When a lot of things were moving, changing, and shifting, right? Egypt was giving up its goods to, I mean, Egypt was the, the breadbasket of Rome, mm-hmm. Um Greece had been conquered recently by Rome. I mean, the Roman Empire was, you know, for the most part, uh, the United States of its heyday. And so, you know, understanding that that time zone between, uh, quote unquote, um, um, and I don't say the birth of Christ, because that's not that's something that never happened. But from the time when the Catholic Church, I'm not Catholic Church, but the church really began to gain momentum and Constantine made the declaration that uh, we'll conquer by this symbol. <clears throat> that is that time frame, right? When that uh, Aries is switching over to Pisces. And so that easily can speak, we can easily see that that is the Ashwini nakshatra and Ashwini is extremely warlike and fast, right? Yeah. It's the quickest of all the nakshatras is Ashwini, right? In fact, its symbol is a horse headed woman, right? So, right, most race car drivers, people like that, that really like the need for speed have that energy very prominent in their chart. And so Ashwini, that aspect when things switched over so quickly and there was so much of a pinpoint of energy, right, then that shift over into the Piscean Age is what you see kind of as the residual that we're kind of dealing with now in the Christian era and so forth. So I hope that kind of touches on it a little bit. But again, we could like we could spend, you know, literally hours and hours just on breaking that information down. So hopefully that helps. Speaking of that Gardanta point, man, we about to go through some 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 major Gardanta <laughs> um transits you know coming up in the next month or so mars about to get busy yeah mars and, is about to and k2 yeah mars is going to switch over because he's going to do a little dance right yeah. he's going to go into aries right and then he's going to go back right into pisces and then he'll be back in the aries in december as of december 23rd right so he goes into he goes into aries Right around what is it, August sixteenth, right? Yeah. And then yeah. I think uh he goes into um Pisces, what is it, right around uh what's it October third, right? So you'll notice right when October third hits that Gandanta zone, between October third and August sixteenth, that's a that's a that's that's that zone, right? That back and forth. And then finally, when he's in Pisces and does his finish doing his thing, and he goes back, he'll be back in the Aries as of December twenty third. So this is a hot zone, right? Yeah, um, it's a major kind of. And the, and, the, and somebody mentioned and the sun, the sun, sun hits Gardanta too right around this time too. From Cancer, uh, Cancer and Leo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's August sixteenth, right? Exactly, it's the exact same day, right? Yeah. So um, Leo actually, well, there's three planets that move over on August sixteenth. Sun, Mars, and Mercury all move into Leo. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. all enter into Kandanta zone. So the Cancerian Kandanta zone is Sun, Mercury, and then 
um, uh, Mars is at Pisces and Arian Condante zone. So definitely, yes, there's a couple of things happening right now that's coming up. But, you know, the real thing, we kind of already talked about it, is what's coming up here in the next few months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be quite interesting, though, <laughs> uh, knowing that the election that's coming up here is going to be quite a show. <laughs> it's going to be a show. It's going to be something, everything this year you can see has been... <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Because <laughs> you have to take in the, I mean, all of this... It's COVID, man. I mean, you got to understand, voting and COVID, they don't even have enough workers. I don't know if you, um, a lot of our, our patrons or our, our listeners follow the news a lot, but uh, as a diviner and astrologer, I stay constantly t- tuned in. But they were showing on a report that uh, they don't even have enough workers to work the actual polls because the workers don't want to work, <laughs> right, because of the fear of COVID. Especially and November. So, and November is going to be. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? It's it's going to be interesting. And Mars, you know, going back and forth between that, you know, kind of um, what if fantasiful, um, ungrounded energy of Pisces and then into the automatic uh, makeshift, energetic, initiatic drive of Aries and then back and then back again, right? That leaves a lot of. Um, instability as far as making clear-cut decisions in your life. That's what Mars is all about, yeah. his ability to live in that moment and to be okay with the decision in that moment. So are you going to reopen schools or are you not? That's what you're seeing kind of right now because Mars is in that Piscean energy, right? Mm-hmm. Some schools are open, some schools are closed, right? Some schools are going to do um, even jobs, right? There's jobs, you know? I mean, it, there's just uh, the martial energy likes to be direct, likes to be focused, it likes to be it, um, um, unemotional, right? And so that mark, that Piscean energy is destabilizing it, right? It's causing it to feel inspired one minute and then concerned the next, right? Because that dualistic sign doesn't, you know, Mars doesn't do well in any dualistic sign, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning um, any mutable sign. And so when you know that, right, then you can kind of see, wow, right? Mars is kind of, you know, in that position where it makes us feel as if taking action, right, is going to have some automatic recompense later on, right? Or taking action may not be adequate or taking action may, uh, it's confused, right? So when you get into Aries, then you want to take action, you're ready to take action, but then it's going to, at that point, it's going to be slowing down slowly, 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 and then right September 23rd, retrograde, right? That's so when Mars begins to go backward, right, we beat up on ourselves. We don't have that self-confidence. We don't have that leap forward energy to get things done. And so you're going to see a lot of people are going to cower in and pull in, right, because of that energy. Right? Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be quite interesting to see, definitely. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, you know, with all that being said, man, let's let's go ahead and, you know, jump into the day's topic, right? Let's do and- it. You know, I kind of I thought we already hit it, but we we didn't. We we did we haven't done. I thought we did, but you know, we mentioned so many other things. It always ties in anyway. Yeah. Indeed. So you know, today, you know, we're going to talk about um, the moon. You know, right, 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 right. The the importance of the moon. You know, in the chart, and like you know, I was alluding to earlier, was that you know, growing up in the West, everybody is, 
you know, fixated on the sun sign, mm-hmm. you know, what's your sign. And, and it's, the sun gets a lot of credit for <laughs> a whole lot of stuff. That's, you know, when it comes down to Western astrology, but um, I mean, just from my just experience and my own chart and looking at a bunch of charts is, you know, it's, it's usually um, a reach. Sometimes some of the things that's, um, you know, attributed to that, that sun sign, not even taking in consideration the fact that it's, you know, we're using a different um, measurement, you know, than, than what they are. But, um, you know, what, 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 what's your thoughts on that? Just, you know, how, how, you know, those measurements have been presented and, you know, then we could just go ahead and just get into the, the moon and what, what it significates in a chart. Yeah, you know, so um, let's talk about it, right? So remember, we did a show on, in fact, in the Aryan show, mm-hmm. we talked about the Eastern versus Western kind of purview. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the Eastern purview, to me, right, is one where male and female are balanced. Right? Yeah. But to the West, it would seem that it's feminine or has a feminine kind of backdrop because in the East, the feminine goddess archetype is always personified and and venerated, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, in the East, the woman is not um, someone that is uh, a mystery or... um, uh, to be looked upon as something as lesser than or uh, someone or some aspect of uh, humanity that is beneath uh, beneath man it's a co-partnership type deal yeah uh, yeah okay look I understand right a lot of old habits a lot of old mentalities are still in the east because yeah women aren't always lifted to the highest level as in we now say that the west has equalized the playing field right but in the East, truly, the woman was truly venerated in the sense that the goddess archetype was understood to have the shakti or the power that God needs in order to manifest in this world. And that is true. Yeah. I don't absolutely. care how much, I don't care how many seeds a man can spill. It doesn't matter if it doesn't hit fertile ground. Right? Yeah. And so everything in the West is the very antithesis where the male energy is dominating, where the, the father, right, the patriarchal purview of governance and um, spirituality is is, perver- is pervasive, and so when you have that, it makes sense for a society to lean towards the energy that would be uh, masculine and um, hot and dominating and controlling and so forth. Whereas the feminine is not so recognized or venerated. Yeah, and so it is denigrated. It's lower to a lesser status. It's not looked upon as important. Um, it's not looked upon as something that can be used to help uh, structure society, right? It's all the father, male, you know, son energy. Well, actually, the opposite is true, right? <laughs> right? His, Females his, his are the ones on the sparrow, <laughs> right? It, yeah, right. Just, yeah, just he, he, he. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, the female is the basis of society, right? And all structures that we have today, right, are pretty much based on her cycles. In fact, how often do we go to, how long do the kids go to school 
in the West? How many hours? Nine months, right? Oh, yeah. Nine months. Nine yeah. months, right? The essence of that is, of course, agricultural, but also agricultural is tied into the lunar cycles. Yep. So even understanding how society works at the base level is still feminine, right? It's just masculine dominate. So in the West, the sun, right, is all of that. You can tell everything by the sun, which is the furthest from the truth. Mm-hmm. How many people have the same birthday as you? Right? <laughs> Quite a few. Yeah. And they're all very different from you. Absolutely. So, you know, taking that into consideration, uh, not only that, to add in that the dates, the information, the degrees are off by 24 degrees. Mm-hmm. So that also adds into another level of confusion. Yeah. And so understanding how this works, we have to pull back, right? And take a purview of what is really the way we should be looking at this and reading it properly as far as astrology is concerned. So the sun, right, is important because it's a time clock, right? Mm -hmm. It represents one degree every day, right? It does not change. It does not stop. It does not deviate, right? The moon does. So the sun has a very important purpose as far as timekeeping and making sure th- making sure things are orderly, which is what the sun represents anyway, orderliness, right? Control, right? Governance. Yeah. So with the moon, right? She varies a little more. Of course, she's just, as, she's consistent too, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, she can't, can't keep time by the moon, right? No. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, and considering in Kemet, right? And in other ancient cultures, I don't want to just venerate Kemet to the point where, you know, it's Kemet, 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 because there's other cultures as well. Um, But nonetheless, in Kemet, right, we created sundials, right? And sundials were used in other cultures too, but our sundials were, I mean, kind of top of the line, technologically speaking, right? You could really use them to gauge the time of the day. And of course, when that didn't work, guess what we used? We used a water clock. And water clocks are, you know, by the drip, right? They would time it that way. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, water is feminine, right? Mm-hmm. So when the sun goes down, you still got to use some feminine energy, right? To kind of keep a bead on things. So nonetheless, in the East, right? The moon, right, is where we look to to get the personality type, not the sun. Yeah. Um, again, like I said, the sun, I don't know how many people got your birthday, but... I got. I know a lot of famous people got mine, and they're not even close to being who I am. Right, so yeah. that doesn't really work. So yeah. We have to have something that is a little bit more, a, a lot more, actually um, tangible. Right. In fact, something that we can even touch if we had enough fuel power. Now I know people say, "Oh man, never went to the moon and all that." All right, <laughs> I'm not going to argue that point today. Right. Yeah. But nonetheless, right. I would acknowledge at some point, maybe not when they presented it, maybe, maybe not. Who's to say? But we have been there. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so it's, the moon is tangible, it's touchable, right? It's palatable. You can feel it. You can feel the sun, of course, the heat from the sun. But I'm talking about when you're really sitting out on a cool uh, night, when it's a clear night, you can feel the cool vibes cool chi from the moon right yeah and so that cool energy right is actually responsible for the growth of plants and vegetation 
it's responsible for the tides of the, of the oceans, right? Yeah. Um, there's statistics and studies that show that on full moons, right, it's unwise to do surgery because you bleed more. Mm-hmm. This is this is statistical fact, right? You yeah. go look it up and see. Wow! So if you ever wonder, and you got maybe a surgery coming up, and you see it's a full moon, don't go to surgery. <laughs> right? Better to have surgery during the waxing phase and the, w- the waning phase, right? Because the moon also rules blood. Right? Yes, I know Mars rules the actual hemoglobin in blood, but I'm talking about the actual fluid. The moon rules fluids. Yeah. Right. Your your blood is saline, right? It has a saline quality to it. Like salt water, right? So the consistent consistency of your blood is still governed by the planet that pulls, right, and pushes and manipulates the, the waters on this planet. Right. Yeah. So the moon, right, is so important in uh, Jyotish that it gains the status of having its own chart called the Chandra Lagna, right? So it's that important in the sense that just like we can use the ascendant and we should be using the ascendant all the time as much as possible, I should be the primary go-to, not the lunar chart, but the ascendant, right? But for all intents and purposes, the ascendant is conjunct with the lunar or the Chandra Langa, right? The lunar, the lunar chart. And so we read them in a symbiotic way to get a full picture of how you are. Yeah. We can't really do it with the, I mean, we can do it with the ascendant to a great degree, Right. But the ascendant uh, represents certain spiritual aspects of you where the moon represents other spiritual aspects. And people would ask, well, what are those? Right. And so the moon represents your astral body. Right. Um, it represents that part of you. It's called the Manomaya Kosha. Right. In, um, in the uh, Hindu or... Um, uh, Baharatian literature. And so it, it represents an actual part of your spiritual makeup. Literally, you have different bodies, right? This physical body is just one body. You have a causal body, and the causal body is represented by the sun in your chart, mm-hmm. right? So you have a physical body, you have an astral body, you have a causal body, right? And there's other bodies too. You have a pranamaya kosha, you have other other layers. But for this basic kind of breaking it down, right? You have a body, mind, and soul, right? Yeah. Well, the body is kind of an automaton, right? For the most part, it has a mind of its own, right? The body has a mind of its own. The people say, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. You don't heal yourself. You don't digest your food. You don't beat your heart. You don't, right? You don't do any of those things. It's all automatic. It has a mind of its own, right? And that is what the ascendant slash ascendant Lord represents, the whole complex of the ascendant, because it's not just the ascendant. There's the ascendant degree, there's the ascendant lord, there's where the, the house, the sign, all of those things impact the ascendant. So when we say ascendant, I don't just mean that specific take, date, time, and place. I mean, there's a whole complex that goes with it. But the moon has a complex or that goes with it too, 
Yeah. And so um, the moon is, and for this is, this is what we must understand. The moon is the fastest moving planet in astrology, right? So it represents the constant pulse and change of your chart of life, right? Every day, the moon is different every day, right? Every day, the moon changes something about itself, right? Yeah. Being the fastest moving planet, it represents that part of us we call our mind. Mm-hmm. And they say, you, you know, your mind changes quite often. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Momentarily, so if so. And we're going to talk about a little bit about what that is and what the moon really is, right? To under, so people can understand. So um, the moon has some pretty phenomenal things that are attached to it in astrology. Uh, one of which we use the moon to gauge another level of your personality. Now, hey, let's talk before I even go there. Let's say this, right? Let's break it down. So the moon, right, has, it provides, right, a substratum uh, that we use in astrology called the nakshatras. Yeah. Right. And that substratum or that under layer, that layer that we read underneath the the chart or underneath the signs, underneath the Rashis, right? That layer, right, is facilitated by the placements of the moon. Yeah. So the moon moves 13 degrees, 20 minutes every day, every day, like a clock. Right, 13 degrees, 20 minutes, 13 degrees, 20. And it does have some small variances, but not much. Right? Yeah. Pretty much consistent. So the moon rules moves 13 degrees every day. Well, the ancients said, you know what, since it moves that amount per day, right, then that particular block and that are, those are connected to actual stars, right, constellations, then they take that block and say, well, that portion of that particular sign has a whole kind of separate undertone to it right and so there's 27 of those different undertones because it takes almost 28 days for the moon to create a lunar cycle yeah so 27 days or 28 we do some people say there's 28 27 right? it's it's a nominal argument right yeah. 27 is what we use but that 13 degrees, 20 minutes, right, every day creates a slot. And that slot, wherever something lands, will register and grow because the moon is responsible for growth, right? Whatever is in that slot grows out of that particular right zone, which we call a nakshatra. Yeah. Now, going deeper, right, because the moon has other layers and other um, – aspects to look at it from these are the when i say complex this is what i mean so the lunar complex is not only the chandra lagna but where the moon is placed literally the nakshatra that is placed that is another defining factor not only the sign but the nakshatra yeah and so what the science does it, it takes it and just reduces it to the essence of what it is and that's why it's so much more powerful than western astrology in my estimation yeah so the moon now, since we've got nakshatras, we've got 27 different positions that we can extract deeper meaning out of, not only from the baseline, but from the nakshatra. Now, it goes even deeper. It, it takes a level and it goes to 
um, taking the moon and understanding that it, the relationship between it and the sun, every day it moves from the sun, right? 12 degrees. Yeah. And that 12 degrees, right? 12 degrees, 12 degrees, right? That creates what we call, it's called a titi. T-H-I-T-I-T-H-I-T-I-T-I. Titi is another sliver, right? Or another way we actualize your personality. So, well, 15 of them, right? There's 15 different ones that we look at. Each one, so if you're born on a full moon, that's called Purnima. Purnima has a specific disposition to it, right? A very specific disposition. Purnima has a, a power that goes with it, right? And so it's not just, you know, that your moon is full. It means that you have a whole set of personality dispositions that comes along with having that moon full. For example, like when the moon is full, right, the person typically has a very bright mind, right? Their emotions are usually fairly calm, depending, again, if other planets are imposing. I mean, the moon is the most sensitive planet of all the planets, right? The most sensitive. But they're definitely, right, they're good in relationships. They have an abundance of things. They're very lucky, Right. Things fall in the lap without them really reaching very much for it. And if you think about it, because of that brightness that the moon represents in that person's chart, they take on that brightness. They take on that reflective quality that literally says, hey, you know, you can't get me down. You can't really you know, can't really stop me. I'm going to get it. They do have some emotional battles sometimes because they can get very they can get very emotional. But the emotions typically bounce back very quickly. Right. They don't like to take orders either, though. Because they do recognize that they have a full, their mind is full. So understanding that, right? That's when we begin to understand that, you know, this the, the moon is very precious in our in our ability to estimate the character, the characteristics of an individual. It goes even further, right? And that's why I was so fascinated by this science because they take one thing. And they really take it to the nth degree. Yeah. So there's a next level called a Karana. A Karana is six degrees. It's, it's the um, amount of it's the amount of space between when the sun moves and the moon, the moon moves six degrees. So it's half of a titi, right? And so they take that half and they further further analyze your personality disposition. So we have all of that, right, to understand exactly who you are just from the moon the sun you can't do that which can't do that with the ascendant right so the moon is very very special in the depth uh and the ability to provide a a um very well well-rounded analysis of an individual's personality type in fact um in kemet another way to understand it is that you have you know what's called the ka right yeah the ka is connected to the moon Right. So your doppelganger, your astral body. Right. When you go to sleep, the, the you, that's you. Right. That's the moon. Right. When you literally vacate this vehicle that what we, you know, in the movies, they call it your residual self image in the matrix. Right. But in your <laughs> in your in your life. Right. That's your astral body. And so yeah. when you leave. That still has a matrix. It still has an, a uh, constituency to it. And it leaves and dies off after some time. But that astral body, right, 
is able to travel, do things. It's what you use. That's what a lot of magicians and spiritual masters use to send you messages, right? In your dreams, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, because you have a life in your dreams, right? Have you ever noticed you sometimes have a reoccurring theme in your dream? Like, it's kind of like similar in some way, right? Like, this is Listen, weird. I got <laughs> Right? Yeah. Right? The dream world is a whole, and that's the moon, right? And so let's let's talk, let's unpack it, right, to understand what it is. So <clears throat> the one thing about Jyotish, right, and you're going to, I'll brag on this stuff until the cows come home, because <laughs> it really is the, the, the defining points of the sciences as far as astrology is concerned. But there is a, there's a yogic science that's aligned to science. It's not just because we read astrology and we know... No, there's a yogic system that we go to to analyze what we're looking at when we look at you. And so the one, there's three three components to the moon. Most astrologers will, some, but most won't tell you about, right? And there's three components that we break down. Number one is called manas, M-A-N-A-S, right? Another one is called chitta, C-H-I-T-T-A. And the other one is called Ahamkara, right? Uh, A-H-A-A-M-K-A-R-A, Ahamkara, right? These are three aspects of what make up the moon. So the first aspect is called manas, which is the sensory filtering processing unit that we call the mind. Mm -hmm. And so what it does is basically it kind of provides a screen, right, for things to come up. So when the senses send data up, right, the screen, right, which you call your mind, right, has to register and do something with this information, right? And so any type of, um, I mean, it's kind of like a circuit circuit board, right, or like kind of directs where things should go and what should happen based on this thing that has appeared, whether it be internal or external, right? It's habitual. And so it, I mean, it has no volition of its own. It's automatic just like the body. So most people think that they're thinking, they're not thinking, <laughs> not properly, not thinking proper. Um, the other thing is that it's associative, right? So this part of us is associative, meaning that it connects, uh, let's say cake with fun, right? Or it connects, <laughs> right? It connects uh, bike riding, right? With uh, childhood, right? This is an associative process. This is what it is. This is what the moon does. It's associative. It has no volition of its own. It's yeah. just automatic. Um, it is instinctual, right? And so it doesn't have the ability to truly make decisions. It reacts mechanically to circumstances, right? And so again, right, it's just an instrument. It's really not doing anything, but it's just like a, a computer, it's just software. It's like the software, it's just software package you came exactly. in with. Yeah. That's it, right? Um, you know, it can it can easily be manipulated, right? It's manipulated from day one. I mean, think about it for all intents and purposes. The the manas, right, which is a sensory filter, says, mm-hmm. "Hey, um, I'm hungry," right? Because the stomach's sending up, you know, signals. Mm-hmm. Some babies sit and they'll you know, make a little noise or whatever. Da, da, da. Some babies cry to you can't stand it anymore. Like, oh my God, 
please. I have to literally breathe to endure this. So help, right? Some children literally cry to the, it's a shrill cry. I don't know if you've heard a shrill cry, like, oh my God, like, let me, let me help this, this child, right? Yeah. Some children, right? Kind of temperate and they'll, they'll cry, but they won't, you know, kind of let you know. And my, my daughter get busy like that sometimes, that shrill mm-hmm. cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it it it'll it'll test on a man. It sends hairs like up our body, like oh, we got to do something, right? So, <laughs> right. But the baby, each baby has their own. Are they're a baby? They have nothing other than hunger, diapers wet, sick, whatever, whatever sensory input is coming out. They have to let it out. But isn't it funny? that they let it out in different ways already. There's no personality, quote unquote, yet, or is there? Well, there is. That's where the moon, that's why the moon is positioned where it is. And so, you know, understanding this, right, because it's a, basically, it just, it reacts to sensory data, right? Um, When you get it, right, then you understand that the, the moon, the, let's say the baby has the, has the moon in Virgo, right? Virgo has a need, emotional need to fuss. Yeah. When I say fuss, <laughs> to fix something. Yeah. Fussing is only because something's wrong. So yeah. you're just trying to fix it, right? And so that mental complex, right? That manas, the sensory operating apparatus says, problem, talk, problem, say something, problem, articulate. Well, baby has no words, so it's fussy, yeah. right? When you become older, they say, well, use your what? Words. Words, right? <laughs> well, Virgo has a knack to have to use their words constantly. Yeah. Right? But at the child, at the baby, at an infantile stage, it was still there. So mm. you, it came out as crying a lot. Well, they say he was a cry baby. No, his moon's in Virgo. <laughs> I'm not saying all people with moon and Virgos like that. Trust no, me. don't beat us up. <laughs> yeah, don't don't run with that. But it does have some validity to it, right? Yeah. Um, because there's other factors that can change a whole lot of things, but you will notice that when the moon is in Virgo, that person has to articulate themselves in some degree, in some way, on a constant basis. Because remember, the moon is what? Cyclical, right? So we know that you have a pattern, a cycle that you run. We call it a script, right? Yeah. <laughs> and priests, priests, you learn how to change and write, rewrite the script. Right? Yeah. But nonetheless, it's a script. So the script of a Virgo says, hey, I have to, I have the emotional need to correct a problem. I have emotional need to tell you something's wrong. I have an emotional need to figure out why things don't feel right. Yeah. Right. And that comes off through the planet of Mercury, which gives it articulation. So the baby, right, still has that same moon mental complex, and it has to facilitate that in some way. The moon being in Pisces very laid back, right? Very reserved, very calm, very passive, right? And then the child maybe doesn't speak as fast. 
takes mm. a little longer because the need to express itself is less so because it's more in the spiritual or the mm-hmm. internal aspect of things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So maybe the baby's a little bit quieter. Maybe you, you ever seen the babies, the babies that just like look around all day. Like I'm seeing babies like that's all they do. He's all they're doing. <laughs> like, like what's going on? Because some babies are focused if you yeah. ever paid attention. Yeah. Right? Some babies are looking at you. They're looking mm. at that, right? Some babies are like, where am I? Like, how did I get here? Like, what's going on? Yeah, that's that moon in Pisces type disposition. Yeah. Because I it's know. not, it's still kind of, you know, this is the astral body. And so the Piscean realm, the Piscean energy is still otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Man, so they're I know, still, go ahead. <laughs> I know a baby that's, um, what's it? Her moon's in Sag. And she might, you see her, you you don't think she can talk. She'll mm-hmm. sit there, she'll look at you and brew, and then just spit out something amazing. You're like, where the heck did that come mm-hmm. from? Like, that's what she do. She just sit there and study all day, mm-hmm. and then she'll give you, she'll spit out an articulate sentence. Like, where the heck did that come from? <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. that's the that's the that's the manas. Yeah. It's a sensory filtering mechanism. Mm-hmm. So if it if if something comes up. It says, hey, do it this way, yep. right? Because it's repetitious as well, mm-hmm. right? That's why people have personalities because they're stuck in that complex. Yeah. Right? And so understanding that, that's one aspect of the mind is manas, the sensory aspect, filtering aspect of it, right? The next aspect to talk about is what we call chitta. Now, chitta is basically just nothing but memory, Mm-hmm. And the moon, right, is responsible. It's kind of like the storehouse for memories, right? So, see how, and this is, like I mean, a hard if, drive. Kind of, sort of, yeah, yeah, like a hard drive, exactly. Um, I mean, think about it like this, y'all. The moon has three aspects, it's not just the moon. We have manas, which we've talked about as the filtering process. So if it filters, just like a, just like any type of uh, glass, mm-hmm. if I put purple over it, it's only going to allow purple light to come through, yeah. right? If I put green, it's only going to allow green, right? Well, that's what the manas does. It says red, right? Red light. So whatever, if, if sex comes up and red light's there, it's a go, right? Because the, the sensory apparatus can say, hey, it's automatic. But if patience comes up and there's a red light, oh, mm. we got a problem. Right? Yeah. Red light, you said, means stop. But red light literally just to get your attention. The color red is actually moving. It moves you. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that red color, which causes action, right, when you have to process inaction, reservedness, patience, calmness. Uh-oh. <laughs> right? The mind sensory apparatus breaks down. Yeah. Right? And then you have, right, an emotional reaction. That's how it works. On the sensor, on the, on the mana side, there's other things, right, with the moon. The next level of the moon we look at is what is called chitta. Now, chitta is the memory storehouse of things. And what we say chitta, it means that not only the memory as in this life, but in past lives too. Yeah. Because the moon is the past. That's all it deals in is the past. 
It doesn't deal in the future. Yeah. How do we know? Because the memories are past. There's no future memory. <laughs> right? By itself, inherently, it means past. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So because everything is hindsight, and they say hindsight is 2020, right? Mm-hmm. When you look back over your life, right, and you see the stages, right? of your development you'll notice at some point there's a there's a schism when you start to you start to mature right you can control the impulses that come through the sensory apparatus the manas but they come out of the chit the chitta which is the memory bank right now let's say there's no let's and now chitta is twofold right it's passive and aggressive it's passive passive and active right it's passive in the sense that it just throws up memory. So basically, you know, it's like, it's just like, a, it's like a screen. It's like, all it does is just throws them up. Yeah. Right. It just regurgitates them. Just boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom, constant, boom, boom. But, right. It's all based on what you were imbibed with when you came through. Now, here's how you know karma's real. Because you didn't choose that operation when you came in. People say, mm-hmm. I chose my life. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't choose your life. You did. The choice is in our choice is an illusion. First of all, right? There is no choice, right? When we we may do a show on fate, right? That has some kind of connotations, karmically speaking. Yeah. Right. But they they didn't choose that. Not in the sense of choice. See, yeah, choice. Not like, not like you just went, I want my life to be mm-hmm. like this and like this. Like, it's like more like options. Like, this is what you got. <laughs> it's like this. Walk through this door. It's like this. Either you're reborn or you're reincarnated. Most people are reborn. Mm. Most of you didn't reincarnate. Most of you defaulted into this body. And you chose the time to come back to feel, fulfill that need. Yes, but that is automatic yeah. as well. See, time is the master key to all things other than consciousness, right? Because consciousness supersedes time. Yeah. But, but time is the next big boy on the block, right? And so time, right, is, is a window and it creates a matrix, right? when you enter into it. So it literally organizes everything at once. And so when you enter in that time, right, you default to the parents that you literally need to facilitate that rebirth process. I didn't say reincarnate, I said rebirth. The difference is when you reincarnate, you are at an advanced stage where you can enter into time instead of defaulting into time. If everyone chose, we would have a different world. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, I mean, mean, in Kemet, you know, I mean, it's, it's depicted, you know, beautifully, you know, if you don't, you don't pass that, that final judgment, you know, that, that every, your mind I'm is a wit. eight. Your mind I'm is a eight. <laughs> is eight. <laughs> I'm a wit. Pride, right? Yeah. Over emotionalism and 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 outright just being conniving, right? It's mm. gonna take you back. That's the crocodile, the hippo, and the lion. Pride, right? 
unemotional. See, the animals would kind of break it down to you. The crocodile, crocodile, he's sly, right? He, you don't know he's, you don't even know he's there until you're big. Yeah. Right? So it represents that part of us, that instinctual aspect that literally takes over and causes you to, to literally react to situations as if you have no mind, right? It's yeah. like instant. Pride is another, right? And they always say before a uh, uh, fall goes, uh, what does it say? What's the statement? A uh, 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 fall always goes before pride. That's true. Because pride makes you insular. You can't receive knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then the hippopotamus, which represents unbridled emotion, because the hippopotamus actually is one of the most, these are the most three dangerous animals in Africa, by the way, y'all. <laughs> right? The hippo will take you out faster you than a lion. You don't want to run with no hippo. No. Right? <laughs> right? So these are vicious animals, right? And mm-hmm. it represents that aspect of us, that, that uncontrolled animalistic part of us, that when you literally live that way, those, that, art, that aspect has to be reborn. Not reincarnated, reborn. You buy die a second death, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you re- are reborn, it's kind of like, okay, you defaulted to this. People say that's kind of cold. No, it actually is very merciful because if you, right, you defaulted and that part of you that understood that default that entered into that time zone that consciously did, when you say, when we say you consciously entered in, that is what is inherent in kind of what they're talking about choice, mm-hmm. because there's a part of you that is conscious before you enter, yeah. that is turned off. And then you, you, you play it out, mm-hmm. play your best hand, right? <laughs> but when you're reincarnated, you choose your, you, you, your parents bring you to a level of self-realization quickly. It happens. And it's in the West, we kind of don't have it too much, but some of us still have it, even though we kind of come through a Christian per- paradigm. Some of our parents still have enough to kind of say, you know what, check that out. Even though they may not really say or do it, it's something inherent that you live out through them, that they're living out through you. It the, just the, works that way. Uh, like the, the life experiences will. Yeah. Just yeah. Bring like you. my mother's a Christian, right? But before all of that, I saw her, she was into a lot of different stuff. And so yeah. that's when I'm like, hmm, what's she into? Right, the the apple don't never fall too far from the tree, as they say. Right? Yeah. So, you know, if you have a spiritual child, you're usually very spiritual, right? And you usually attract a spiritual mate. You, I mean, th- this makes sense, right? Because you're attracting that person, you're bringing them through, right? You're the vehicle, and they're going to come out to continue that spiritual process and work. So that's reincarnation. They're different, mm-hmm. right? Most people are reborn. So get that out of your head that you choose, quote unquote, right to come back. You don't. <clears throat> what you can choose is while you're in life to learn to lead, live properly and leave properly because there is a way to leave in death. You should die in peace. Mm-hmm. Right. When you are actually at a funeral, there should be no crazy music and no crazy people. <laughs> well, black folks is kind of hard sometimes, right? Because everybody comes out of the funeral, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. But it's not only the way you come in, but it's also the way you leave. Yeah. And so that's why our ancestors made such a big deal about right the death process. But back yeah. to the moon, right? So. 
the moon, right, we said is chitta. Chitta is the memory bank that throws up things. Now, remember I said it's passive and active. Mm -hmm. When you go to sleep, it becomes what? Passive. Mm -mm. Oh, you. you don't make your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> you don't make your dream world. You didn't, you didn't. I mean, I know you meet different people in your dreams, right? You didn't mm -hmm. make, you didn't make these people up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, y'all. For me, I'm just, maybe I'm really, maybe I'm simple, right? Because mm -hmm. some of this stuff is just mind blowing to me. But you can't make, you can't make up your dreams. Mm -hmm. You can't make up. Now you can take something into your dream. Yes. But whatever you take in, the, the mind is going to arrange that in such a way that it facilitates what it needs to have done based on whatever the dream is, right? Yeah. Whatever it is that's taken in, rather. But if you don't take anything in, you still have a dream. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole slew of things. I mean, think about it. Throughout the conscious day. Oh, no, I just see what you're saying. You're saying the mind is active. The mind is active. Yeah, you yeah, are yeah. not. Yeah, okay. See, when you're, when you're awake, when you're awake, mm -hmm. right? That keyword, awake, because are you really awake? Because right? yeah. remember, the manas is constantly running. Manas is constantly running. The mind is constantly running. It constantly goes. When we say manas, we're talking about the mind that is the sensory as aspect, the filtering screen. It's always there. Always has something there. Chitta is what put is 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 the stuff that comes up on that screen. Right. That's what chitta is. So it's what pops up on the filter screen. Right. But if there's no sensory information coming from the outside, which is that's when it's passive, it turns on and becomes active when the dream state or when sensory deprivation kicks in. Sensory deprivation is an exercise that was experimented on in the 60s and 70s, and especially when the LSD era kind of hit. But what they did was some phenomenal research in that they, and you should watch a movie called, um, oh man, it slipped my mind that quick. It'll come back to me. Um, crazy far out movie, but got some serious truths in it. Um, You're not talking anyway, about. Um, in the 80s. Oh no, I was thinking about another crazy movie. That's, um, you've seen um, Jim Carrey, um, uh, Eternal Sunshine um, and um um spotless mind i've never seen that uh, uh no it's, it's, it's yeah it's, it's an interesting movie it's deep um in this movie the guy goes back and he tries to travel to south america to get the secret of ayahuasca okay. yeah, but this is in the 80s it's like a real like a like a you know big production movie but he goes down there he takes the ayahuasca and changes his whole you just have to see the movie, right? <laughs> but in there, in the movie, they do a lot of uh, testing with sensory deprivation. And sensory deprivation is the same thing as what we call in Pratyahara. Pratyahara is a yoga practice where we literally control the sensory apparatus. We concentrate long enough to hold the same thought, yeah. right? And exclude all other thoughts, right? Um, so, but nonetheless, in the system, you have aham, um, excuse me, you have Manas, you have chitta, which is passive and active. See, manas is passive. All of this is a screen. And that screen can only hold so much at a time. And it can only allow so many thoughts to filter in without having either some resistance or problems. Right? Chitta is what's thrown up. 
the other aspect of it is called the ahamkara. That is what is called the I-ness principle. And all things have that, right? Because all things have mind, right? But the ahamkara means that you ever see a dog and the dog knows another dog, right? It knows you're a human. It knows that's a cat. It knows that's a dog. But there's no words in the brain of the dog. But there yeah. is a device, it, there is a mind in the dog. The dog has mind too. That's why you're able to control the dog's mind through your own mind. If you're calm, the dog is calm. If you're heightened, the dog is heightened. Everything's yeah. a reflection. Just like, and you know, these little movies that come out, uh, this little Jaden, Karate Kid, right? Remember in there and they mm-hmm. had the serpent? Mm-hmm. And the serpent, he was like, nah, the serpent is calm because he's calm, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing, right? Dogs have a sense of smell that's 400 more times more powerful than you. So they can smell fear. Mm-hmm. Right? And literally, if you're calm, you're manas, right? I mean, your, your chitta, your whole mental opera, uh, complex is calmed through the breath, which something outside of that has to do that. And that's a whole nother conversation, right? Mm-hmm. But that manas, chitta, ahamkara being calmed down, that process where the the thoughts are not coming up as fast and then i got don't they're not going down they're just they're constant they're coming up staying being understood let go go back down right that's the process for meditation well when you're actually in a situation if you're calm things that are around you remain calm right that's the understanding that that ahamkata right is innately in every creature humans and animals, right? So that part of us, that complex, the mental complex, which we can break down now into manas, which is the sensory uh, filtering device, right? The chitta, which is the storehouse memories that is active and passive, and the ahamkata, which is the sense of identity or the i-ness, right? Mm -hmm. All those things make up the moon in your chart, right? So when we look now, let's, how does that work, right? So let's say the moon is in Capricorn, right? So the moon, remember, is the most sensitive planet of all the planets. So when we say sensitive, we're saying the moon or that part of us develops a sensitivity to something. And so the moon in Capricorn develops a sensitivity to being serious, to regularity, to rules, to order, right? The ahamkata, I mean, the ahamkata identifies, right? And says, hey, these sensory apparatuses are what's comfortable for me because the moon is about comfort, right? Yeah. So the comfort zone for me is in order, orderliness. The comfort zone for me is being serious, that's the comfort zone. You know, people that stay in that zone. Mm-hmm. They never come out. Right? We're looking at the complex of the moon. Right? Um, they're, very, uh, they're very serious when it comes to getting things done. They're very responsible. Right? They, they have the ability to... The, they have a propriety sense. They have a, they have a pro- propriety sense. They're sensitive to propriety. Yeah. I mean, right. look, my, my, um, I hate to always be talking about my daughter, but she, she already has a schedule. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she wakes up at a certain time. Hormones and cat. Yep. She wakes up at a certain time. You know, she eats at this time. She does everything regulated. Yep. Right. They're very mature. They mature fast. Right. They grow up quick. They don't. They don't dilly dally. Right. And so you know this, and it also makes them. It gives them the power to be industrious too. The hardworking, disciplined. Well, why? See, the moon represents the part of us. It represents on Earth things that flow, that yeah. have a rhythm, right? And so it represents cycles and habits. It also represents water. And it, again, we said liquid, right? All these things you need to have life, right? So it, we could say, I mean, in fact, in astrology, we call the moon the Jiva Atma. Jiva means life, living, the living Atma, or the yeah. living aspect of the soul, the living soul, right? It's called Chaya in Hebrew, right? But <clears throat> nonetheless, right, when the moon is actuated by Saturn, Saturn has some specific energetic patterns that affects the moon's processing. And so Saturn is cold. Mm-hmm. So when the sensory apparatus receives a message, right, and the message is, I'm hungry, right? Well, Saturn, right, has a threshold to deal with pain a little bit more than other signs. They do without a lot better because Saturn represents scarcity. In fact, because of Saturn's coldness and the moon's, like, sappy, juicy energy, right, Saturn dries it out. So they become dry in nature. Mm-hmm. The moon loses its like juiciness and it becomes drier, becomes more serious. Right? The moon is also slow, right? I mean, excuse me, Saturn is also slow. So Saturn's regulation, right? That slowness, that methodical processing causes the mind to slow down. Yeah. But it causes them to think deeper. Mm-hmm. Because if your mind is moving slower, the thoughts come up. The chitta releases the thoughts what? Slower. Mm-hmm. The, the manas, which is the screen that says, okay, is it blue or red? Is it green? Yellow? What is it? Oh, it's blue. Well, blue matches. <laughs> right? So we cool. Right? There's orderliness. We good. When red comes up, hey, you got to be on order. You got to be on task. There, there's now a dictatorial process that comes out too. Yeah. So understanding that, right, that mind complex, again, manas, chitta, ahamkata, right? And we say ahamkata. Now the person identifies with that and they can say, hey, well, I want to be a lawyer, right? Because the mind registers cold, hard facts, Mm -hmm. right? It remembers those very well, has a keen affinity to acquiesce things that are organized, regulated, right? Yeah. So they make very good lawyers and lawyers become judges, right? They don't mind doing jury duty at all. 
they probably would like to do it. Right? Because they understand and appreciate and reflect, right, that discipline, that orderliness. And so that's how we look at it, right? We know that the chitta releases the thought slowly. We know that the sensory apparatus, which we call the manas, says I can either send or I can accept or reject. I can ident- and then the ahamkata says I identify, right, with that. And so that is the moon, in and of its in and of itself, right. Again, you know, we could go deeper because whatever is around the moon, the moon imbibes. It doesn't have a filter. So if Mars is there, moon picks it up <laughs> because it's a sensory apparatus device. Yeah. It's going to throw up fiery memories, memories of athletic stuff, uh, athleticism, memories of co- combat, memories of bullies and fighting and all those things. Those are all what the chitta is going to re- hold. And the mother, which also represents, is represented by the moon, mm-hmm. right? It's going to have that same disposition. So we're seeing not only the person, but we're also seeing the mother. And we can use the Chandra Lakna now to see the mother's life. Right? Because the mother is literally the first you, the first aspect of you that you're able to recognize. Yeah. The Ahamkara. Right. The Ahamkara says, Me, somebody helps me, feeds me, clothes me. Mommy, yeah, and doesn't have to be the physical mother, biological either. It could be anyone that facilitates that role. Yeah, it's automatic. It's passive. Mm -hmm. See, this is how they get you into church. This is how you stuck some of y'all stuck in the church and eating chitlins and smoking cigarettes and and doing all the things that you do, right? Because they know that at a certain age you are defenseless. Yeah. You have no barriers. Your mind is like a sponge. So you're going to absorb and regurgitate, absorb and regurgitate, absorb and regurgitate. And by the time the person's 28, which is when you get your frontal lobes active, you are, it's too late. Yeah. You locked in. And then (laughs) you have to break something to remake something. And the breaking process is usually life events that causes you to realize that ain't working, <laughs> right? You got to say, oh, that pattern, which we call the mind, the moon, right, is repeat, repeating and it's not working. Then someone has to take the needle up off the handle and, <laughs> and reset, right? Yep. That is not manas, the moon, don't do none of that. That's something else, right? But nonetheless, right? understanding how that works now we get a a good beat on when we say the moon in the chart what we say what we mean right yeah um what we're looking at how we read it right we also look at the seventh from the moon for your relationships too your mate is in the projections of your emotions the moon is the housing device that projects the emotions so you are projecting the moon is Whatever is seventh from it is in a 100% aspect from the moon. So it's projecting that, and you get back what you project. 
So we're saying, hey, in relationships, you're projecting an area in disposition because you're trying to conquer. You're trying to run things. You're trying to be the boss. You're trying to be independent. You don't even really want to stick around long enough. Right? Well, then you're going to attract someone that tries to counterbalance and show you those dispositions. Yeah. Right. So again, right, I think we'll leave it at that. I think we went pretty good to the moon, right? I, I, w- I would say, right, a lot of information has been disclosed, right? Absolutely. About the, the, the moon mind complex and reading it through, right, a chart. And you go back and you start having fun with it and you say, wow, my daughter, right, her instrument of thinking is designed to deal with things that are reduced. Bare essential, right? Serious, to the core. It's all the fluff. Don't move her. Mm -hmm. And this is where you'll come in as dad because dad has got some of that seriousness too. That has the ability to say, look, I'm on this path. I'm I'm taking, I have discipline. I got I I do this in a regulated way, right? They appreciate that. They really do. So, you know, and then the thing about it is that the moon in Capricorn a lot of times will lean towards the father many times. Mm -hmm. Because the mother is already designed and receiving that cold energy. Right. Being, you know, at the time and we say, what else does it mean? At the time, the mother was very serious, meaning she was very responsible, like, oh, my God, I'm about to have a baby. This is going to change my life. I got to get I got to wake up. I got to get on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mother was that way when the baby popped out. Trust and believe. Right. Moon in Virgo, moon in Libra. The mother was in love. She was thinking about the relationship or the mate or the mate was in the womb. Mm-hmm. Straight, straight up. <laughs> right. Um, just things like that. You can gauge. Right. Just the moon's placement. So, I mean, yeah. the, again, it's a complex. Right. When we say the moon, we're not just saying the moon. We're saying a mind complex when we uh, read astrology. So uh, that's one of the secrets most people don't know. I've never heard of anyone discussing that before in regards to how the mind and the moon works in astrology. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a deep piece, man. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, I can't see how you could, you know, be an astrology teacher or a student and just glaze over the moon. <laughs> Cause I think, I think the most common thing that I hear from a lot of Western astrologers um, is that the moon is like just your, your, um, what did I say? Like your inner thoughts or something like that, or <laughs> something, something to that nature is, is, is real, real glossy. I know there's, there's deeper Western astrologers out there, but as far as what's perpetuated, you know, what's mm-hmm. out there, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of a moon chart in astro- Western astrology. doesn't mean it's not there, yeah. but I've never seen it in vogue. Yeah. I've never seen it like, hey, unless they are kind of mixing the two. But most of the time, it's the sun sign that that holds the key. Yeah. Right? And that's not true. You don't develop anything. You don't even do. Like, come on. Okay. You don't do, you don't have the you you until you're 28 years old. That's when you get the ability to use your frontal lobes. It doesn't mean you're using them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
right? Because how many times are we doing things to shut them down, to do the very opposite of what we're trying to get to when we get to 28? So by the time you're 28, the diet, the sugar that we've eaten, the tobacco that we smoke and smoke, the lack of exercise, lack of rest, proper sleep, yeah. constant stress, decreasing the frontal lobe capacity to some degree to the point where you've given yourself a lobotomy before you've even turned 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you're 28 and then you wonder why, well, hey, you're grown. They're 35, but they're still acting like they're one. <laughs> yeah. Because the sensory apparatus has been so damaged and conditioned over time that it can't break that habitual process by realizing that when adversity comes, it's a wake up call and they go back to the default zone and they repeat and repeat and fail. Yeah. Right? So there's a spiritual underlining meaning to Saturn return too, because that means that it's time to break, right? It's time to sever with the, with the childhood apparatus, the moon mental complex and to wake up to the other part of you, which is the sun sign, which turns on at a later date. Yeah. That there's a, you know, um, one day, you know, that just that whole science of, you know, the moon and, just is how it manifests psychologically in in people's lives mm-hmm. it's going to be key and kind of a lot of the things that we see right now we're seeing you know um without getting too specific but like a full-on embracement of that initial programming um you know and in, in, in various aspects of life you know that that initial programming that people come up with is what they are completely identifying with um and it's almost becoming um, like um, mainstream, you know, um, academic thought. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I think it, it them going so hard in that direction at some point, something's going to boom break that and 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 bring forth the actual, you know, the actual truth because that has a bunch of in, uh, unintended consequences that we're, we're, we're going <laughs> to start seeing in uh, the coming generations. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, you, they say, I mean, it's a premise. I say it's a, everything that you, that people preach in religion, it's a premise. Yeah. So let's see if your premise is correct. Mm-hmm. So let's see if I turn the other cheek, will that change the heart of the individual that I'm dealing with? Not knowing, Right that there are spiritual laws in operation outside of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. See, that's a, that's in the realm of, uh, of chesed or ma'at. Right. And there's a, there's a science to that. It's not just you go in and you just turn the other cheek and all that. No, none of that. Right. And there's a premise, right? There's a premise that I can pick up snakes, right? And I'm be fine based on the premise that I read in the Bible. The premise said, I can hold snakes and cast out demons. Well, you pick it up, you get bit. Right? <laughs> Your premise was wrong. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? If I take this grape juice and eat this cracker, right? Tomorrow I'm going to have a better life. <laughs> right? That premise doesn't seem to be working for 2,000 years. But hey. You know, mm-hmm. who am I arguing? Indeed. But, you know what I mean? That's what you come, you know, in 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 spiritual training, right? 
you come to live out a premise, right? I'm made in the likeness of a peace that nothing can disturb, right? That's going to be challenged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the premise will be, let's see if the premise is right, but at least the premise is conscientious and it's well thought out. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that leaves a different approach to problem solving when the, pro- when the premise can match something that would be that would require the ability to use that premise and overcome that adversity right so right again the, but the mind is the sponge that absorbed that premise at a very early age yeah i went to church i went to two churches when i was young for a while a long time so i went oh. to pentecostal from I, I went to catholic church from 6 a.m to 8 a.m had a <laughs> breakfast break from 8 to 9 and from nine to twelve, we were in Pentecostal church. Man, I, I every Sunday, Bible study every Wednesday, youth night on Friday. I would have had a hard time growing up in your household, man. Well, I, <laughs> I I'm, Li- I'm Libra ascendant, so look, Libra ascendant, right? Libra ascendant, their fourth house yeah. is Capricorn, and mm. it was no joke. It was orderly, regulated, yeah. structured, disciplined. You bet not talk back. Children are meant to be seen, not heard. Right? Yeah. and you better not even think about trying to challenge that order or you're going to have a major problem and i understood those rules and we didn't have a problem yeah my rival would have been jumping all off i got problems when i got older i said (laughs) "Mm." my ahamkata and manas wouldn't filter in that like (laughs) the moon got something else going on reverse right yeah but nonetheless right um you know that's how we grow up is in that Christian paradigm. And it has premises. You have mm-hmm. to live those premises out, whether you get and to use it. And some of the premises work. They do. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say all of them are false, but when you start having the premise of Santa Claus, you know, I mean, you know, well, you have Easter Bunny and everything else. We know as adults it's not real, right? But again, we feed our children false premises. Yeah. And so feeding them false premises, they wonder, we wonder why they lie. <laughs> we wonder why they tell tales. Yeah, well, we know, because you were telling the tale to yourself and to me too, right? I, I was seven, I busted them. I came out like, oh, y'all put it up, huh? Mm-hmm. Got you. Christmas yeah. is done, <laughs> right? right? Premises was busted, right? Automatically. I have, I've had a premise-busting childhood constantly because going up in two churches was like, no, they didn't. They didn't do the same thing over here that y'all doing. Mm-hmm. Y'all's premises is different, but you say the same thing. So, quite interesting, right? But I think at this point, I think we got a good show. I think we've given the people some good information to use to go off of and to kind of even apply at some point, looking at their own charts or other people's information. Absolutely, and the good thing is, um, a lot of the questions were answered just throughout the show. Um, yeah. Pretty much all of them were answered. Everybody who typed in here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we I think we good money, you know. Um, you know, uh, with that being said, um, you know, I want to remind you all that this episode was brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calaprusha Astrology and our good people out there on Patreon. Um, for everybody who's uh, still hanging with us on Patreon, let us know you know, how this format works for you. You know what I mean? If you like it, you know, and stuff like that, man, you know, maybe some tweaks, different things like that, that we can, um, you know, apply to this to make this a, 
you know, even better experience and stuff like that. Um, I can say I like it, man. I'm looking here. I see the comment threads and stuff like that. You know, um, brother shouting out stuff. Yeah, he's, we, I mentioned the um, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. You should watch it. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a crazy movie. Somebody, uh, this is, yeah, all right. I know who this is. Yeah, he said, yeah, that movie was cray cray. <laughs> it's, it's deep. <laughs> it's deep. Have to check it out. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, man. So, you know, um, like I said, we're always growing and, you know, kind of um, enhancing and, you know, um, you know, just trying to build the podcast out, you know, take it to the next level and stuff like that. Trying to trying to get on Joe Rogan's level (laughs) (laughs) or whatnot. Shoot for the moon and you be amongst the stars. I'm with it. Let's get it. Indeed. Indeed. So, um, you know, if you um, if you good, brother, Rob, I think we can go ahead and close it out right here. Right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Indeed. So, um, you know, we'll be back next week, um, you know, with another, you know, good show for you. And um, again, you know, give us your feedback um, and, you know, let us know. You got some other ideas, different things like that. And we'll definitely take them in consideration. All right. So with that being said, we're out. Peace. Peace.